Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Benevolent Instruction. I'm Coco Loop, co-creator and facilitator, along with Mina Estrada, Nicole Garlando, and Noel Chun. Today, we have something different and very special to share with you. Since the intro episode where Mina and I talked a bit about what Benevolent Instruction is, all of our episodes have been the scripted recordings that we create for our solo practice and for our community sessions. So now, after almost 50 episodes of those recordings, we wanted to start offering interviews and conversations about benevolent instruction, about dancing, making dances, creative processes, writing, living, and any other subject that feels relevant uh, and related to this practice. So today, for episode 24 of season two, I sat down with Noel Chun to talk about benevolent instruction and check in um, about where we think we're living inside of this practice, how we are sensing its development, and asking how we think it's serving us and others who engage with it. Now, Noelle and I have known each other for over a decade, and we have created dances together, we've created concerts, we've taught together, and collaborated on many community projects. Noelle has been writing and co-facilitating co and practicing with us in the benevolent instruction world for a couple of years now. And I'm so happy that we finally recorded one of our many conversations about the practice to share with everyone. Uh, if you'd like to know more about Noelle, you can check out her bio on our website at benevolentinstruction.com. But for now, we'll jump right into our conversation that was recorded earlier today. I hope you enjoy the topics we cover and that through conversations like this one, we can all continue to get what we need out of this practice and this process. As always, you can follow us on Instagram at Benevolent Instruction. Nope, that's at Benevolent underscore Instruction, where we post information about new podcast episodes and upcoming community events. And speaking of which, our next community Zoom session is at 12 p.m. Eastern on August 6th. That's a Saturday. You can register to join by heading over to benevolentinstruction.com. I hope you're having a beautiful day. And now my conversation with Noel Chun. Okay, so the last time, last week when we met, we talked about a couple of things, but is there anything that you want to talk about like benevolent instruction, did anything come up in the week that you thought, ah, I want to talk to Coco about this, or like, this is a question I've been kind of addressing or has been coming up for me in the practice that you think might be good conversation? Not to put you on the spot or anything, but. Yeah. Let me think about it a little bit more. I'm sure these questions will pop up once we start talking, but I, I did want to, um, I was going to share with you, Mina and, and Cole, Aaron found these podcasts of, it's like called bedtime stories, but, it, and, and they have different themes like Minecraft, Marvel, superheroes, whatever. And, you know, he loves Minecraft. And so I found this Minecraft bedtime story and it's literally a benevolent instruction. I, I'm going to share it with you of somebody saying like, take a deep breath in and a deep breath out, let your belly rise, you know, like it's giving them prompts. And then it's like, imagine that you are a character in Minecraft and <laughs> the leaves are falling. I have to share. <laughs> it's just, and, and Aaron just slipped right into it naturally. I mean, I don't know if it was because he's seen and heard us do benevolent instruction, but he, he, he 
and also kids, kids are just up for whatever, right? They're not like, oh, this is weird. And like, how do, you know, he was just like, oh yeah. <sighs> it's just so cute. <laughs> so he was, he was kind of seamlessly following the instructions and just going right into the world that they were suggesting. Yeah. And this is for bedtime though. This is it for just act creative fun. It's actually to calm them down and make yes. them go to sleep. Right. 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 So that's, so I, that's yeah. That's what we're doing. We're yeah. setting up instructions to ask people to do things that will, in our case, either get them moving or bring them joy or put them into some other state that they find productive or we hope is productive for them. Yeah. To access something like in their body, you know, in their like physicality that I don't think a lot of people get nowadays in their, you know, you and I can relate in their remote jobs. I mean, I'm not asked to access anything physical throughout the day. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. yeah that's, I mean, I shouldn't say that. I mean, talking and, you know, interacting on, on Zoom is still physical, but you know what I mean? In the way that it's like, that we know to be satisfying. Right. Yeah. And it just like, I think one thing about it's, it's never a huge question, but like for the, for the scripts and for the recordings and the ideas that we suggest to people to get, you know, their bodies into and to sort of engage mm -hmm. with physically, um, I mean, we're, we're dancers, right? So we have this like this compositional language with which we ask people to get into these like states of being or states of motion or mm -hmm, mm -hmm. creative kind of exploration. Um, but I think when we, I first, I first started this, it was very dance focused. And then as it kind of opened up into a community practice and sharing it with other people, it was like, kind of like Aaron has experienced, like, how do we do, how do we craft the language or the experience so that anybody can slip into it seamlessly? Mm -hmm. right? What's the language? How do we kind of either stay away from dance specific jargon or how do we open up the language so that anybody can really access the meanings or the images or the suggestions in a way that's pretty easy. This is an, this is an interesting question because I feel like it gets at a rub for me that that I wonder more about, which is that it doesn't always have to be this way, but when when you sometimes when you try to increase access, right? And not, not like access, like, um, anyway, when you try to increase access, you lean towards universality, right? These correlations are not, I'm generalizing, it's not always like this, but when you lean towards universality, there, there can be a possibility of becoming less specific. 
and um and so that that's just something i'm like okay so how do we how do we increase the access how do we like have the language be more universal and at the same time how do we keep the specificity in the words or the ways that we you and i use language you know without feeling the constraint of like oh i've got to make this super clear and accessible for any and all people you know because i don't want my art to be that way i don't strive for my art to be universal i strive for my art to be of my singular <laughs> basically perspective of how i go about the world right and if some people, you know, don't understand that, I'm okay with that. Right. Well, I think that just made me think of how the four of us, me, you, Mina, and Nicole, we kind of get at that issue. It's not a problem. Just we kind of address it naturally. And what I think makes the practice so intriguing uh, is that, uh, how do I say this? There are so in regard to universality and kind of making things general so that people kind of like no matter where they're coming from have something to hook into mm -hmm. and can like kind of recognize, oh, you know, I don't have to be a dancer, I don't have to be any particular thing, I can just imagine this, I can do this. Um, these ideas are simple enough. Um, but there are times when you guys will write a, a script or you know, a set of instructions that I find highly complex, like mm -hmm. really complex. And I have a, a, physically I can, I can noodle around and I can find my way through, or I can listen to it and it can be background, like information that we talked about this last week, just to kind of, um, that I can improvise around or inside of without fully understanding. But like, sometimes I, I don't know how to physicalize the idea, but I'm cool with not physicalizing it. Mm -hmm. Like, so you guys are very, we write specific styles of things are the, yeah. Like the things we're curious about the way that we express those curiosities, uh, through our, little instructions for people is so it is really specific in terms of what excites us or like what makes us ask these questions or suggest these actions to a group um even though the instruction the actual instruction might just be turn your head or walk forward because generally, depending on who's writing it is saying, while you're working, walking forward, such and such and such. So there's this, this tone or this suggestion around the simple action that makes it more complex. If that makes any sense. Yeah. It's not that we're saying, do these highly complex physical things. We're basically saying, do the yeah so the universality is the simple action the specificity and the complexity 
comes from the imagery that's wrapped around it or the, the things that we're asking people to consider while they're doing these fairly simple actions with their bodies. You know, circle the hips, you know, reach out into space with your arms. But we're saying, you know, like all of your cells can see the room or some, we're, we're adding this other thing on top of it. And that is very specific to us as composers, as choreographers, as moving movement artists. So and that's where we get to um, branch out beside, outside of the dance field and have other people get involved that maybe don't have dance training or movement training or anything like that. Mm -hmm. Not that that's important, it just occurs to me. It's like how um, we, are, we are sensitive to and cognizant of the fact that we want a lot of people to do this. So it's like, I think we're asking ourselves, how do we write these? How do we suggest or prompt for just about anybody to be able to hop in, but still have a really good ride. That's interesting that you say that because I don't know that I feel that way uh, I about, that. about, I want a lot of people doing it. Okay. Yeah. Keep going. <laughs> I, that I don't want a lot of people doing it, but that's definitely not what's motivating me as I'm writing them. Like I'm not thinking, I'm not writing these and thinking, how am I making this for someone else? I, I mean, I am, but not, it's not the, um, majority of my motivation to do it. it it's 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 more selfish at least for me for me it's like oh because I, I think this is interesting and I want to see where this goes and and what what comes out of it and then it's like oh yeah this would be cool to share with somebody else right so with, but okay so I think I do something very similar even though, you know, kind of overall, I've been trying to reach a lot of people with the practice as a, as kind of a facilitator of it. Mm -hmm. um, I think my dream is that it would reach a lot of people and a lot of people could have fun with it. But I think my motivation for, if I look kind of internally why I'm doing it, it's more like yours. It's that I get really curious about a physical idea or an image or a way that I want to be, I want to be moving. Mm -hmm. um, and I start exploring that idea. And then at the end, I look at it or I do it and I think, oh, I bet other people would like to do this too. Or I, I wonder if they would, or I wonder if they would even have a similar experience as me. So it is self, it is a, more of a self um exploration kind of a, a creative exploration of my own capacities but that 
for me is kind of always tabled next to um, we will eventually share this with people just because it's become a, a practice that we've introduced to the public. Is that mindset any different when you are choreographing something? Oh. And if, how so? Oh, I don't know. I, my first answer, my first inclination is to say it's absolutely the same. It's like I'm making it for, because I have this curiosity about bodies and space and sound and time and like sculptural motion, but it's always live that note, that curiosity and that drive is always next to the knowledge that I, if it, I would probably like to share that with the public, with, with people. And, but that ne when I'm choreographing, I'm never thinking of access and universality. Uh -huh. I'm more, right. But I, it's always sitting next to, this is a performing art. Shouldn't it be performed out, outside of its own existence, you know, shared with other people. Ah, oh, that's like, I'm, tang I'm tangling myself up, but, but I want to hear what you have to say too, but I'll just say one more thing. Yeah, yeah. I'm reading this book, Essays on the Blurring of Art and Life. And I just got to a place where he's talking about art like art and life like art. <laughs> and, uh -huh. and how life like art in its like I'm going to mangle this in its purest form is life and it's not it's not put in a frame and shared out mm. it's that you're attentive to something oh, and like therefore it, it is or could be called art and you could be called an artist without the framing device, without the pu public uh, consumption of it. Okay, so anyway, so while I'm saying all this, mm -hmm. I'm realizing how, how much folly is involved. What do you mean? In making dances <laughs> and wanting to share them. Or making benevolent instructions and wanting to share them. That somehow I feel incomplete as an artist or a person if whatever I'm making isn't shared and consumed mm. to the delight of the consumer. So yes. I, make, I make and I share and I make and I share so that I feel somehow a self-completion. Sure. Yeah. Okay. So I'll stop there. What are your thoughts on all this? <laughs> I get it. I, I think that it's probably different for everybody. You know, for me, it's shifted. Like, I think I, when I first started to make dances, I totally relate to that sort of cycle of completion and feeling like it need, it needs to be shared to to have this full kind of like 
life cycle of, of the thing, right? Because then I, I used to always think of like when some when the dancers perform, it dies. Because <laughs> I, I don't have a career where I'm asked to um, re-perform my dances as repertoire, you know, like over and over. So I, I tend to look at, at, at my dances like, oh, they perform and then they're dot and then they're dead. Um, but I think it's changed for me because I've just, I've stopped performing and I, um, I've stopped making at the level of frequency that I used to. And so now it's shifted into the, what did you say? The uh, art for what, what was it? Art for life or what art? Art like art and life like art. Art, life like art. And it's shifted to the lifelike art where I'm just trying to find a way that dance helps me be attentive or serves as a practice for me to stay connected to the things that I feel like are important to me, like my body, like the people close to me that I want to stay connected to. But beyond that, I think I've let go of this, of like my, of the audience. I just don't think I need it anymore. And part of it is because I just haven't had it, you know? So I've lived without it and I'm like, I don't need it. So, yeah, I don't know. That's just where I'm at. But like I said, I think it's different for everybody. I don't think it's like one or the other, right? It's, that's how you approach it and how you look at it. And it's how I look at it and approach it. And then the other, um, the other thing that you said about like, you know, it's a way for you to, to be attentive. Um, always this like Mary Oliver, I don't really read Mary Oliver, but I read one poem of hers and she, there was this quote that like stuck out to me and I forget what poem it is, but it's like, she says, attention is the art of devotion. Uh. And like, that's what I, that's what I want is this other part of my life where I can be devoted to something that I feel I have a history with, I have a, I have affinity for, I have a just strong connection to, which is dance, just like moving my body. You know, I don't, I don't, I don't have that devotion to work. I don't have that same kind of devotion to other things. Right. So anyway, I, I, I lost track of where our conversation started on this, but oh, <laughs> it, how, the question was your approach to benevolent instruction. Is it the same if you compose a dance? So uh, let's circle back. Would you say that making a benevolent instruction is like making a dance? Um, well, you know, it's so it's when you said devotion and devotional, I I think that I have so many ways of connecting to this practice that it always feels like yes and, mm -hmm. um, and not uh, kind of a, a package thing that's always the same, that always feels like 
I write benevolent instructions because of this. And they feel like (laughs) every time they do feel like making dances all the time. They do feel like how I do this all the time. It's never like that. There Uh are trends. There are ways that it feels to me that are similar and familiar. Um, But it's different. It is kind of different each time in a way too. There's something that will be quite different about writing an instruct, a set of instructions, just like, you know, every time I make a dance, it doesn't feel the same. It feels like there are some underlying principles and things that I look for and things that I love to play with. And the dances might have especially for a period of time might have a similar kind of aesthetic value, like these values that I'm, I'm playing with. Mm -hmm. Um, But each dance making process is different. It feels like it's serving a different purpose. It feels like it's coming from, you know, a different place. Yeah. Most of the time. So anyway, it, when you said devotion, it reminded me of it like struck a chord with me. I was like, oh yeah, they feel like I'm, I'm paying very close attention to something that I love. And then I thought, ah, but sometimes they just feel very kind of, uh, practical and functional, like that. I'm just trying to get at something mechanical that I want to look at. It doesn't feel like it's full of love or full of kind of curious, like wondrous mysticism, you know, (laughs) like so that I'm just in love with this thing. It's that Uh sometimes it just feels very task. Yeah. Like task. Mm -hmm. Like, I wonder if I can get my body to do this while I'm thinking about something else. Okay. Then at other times it doesn't feel like anything to do with me. It feels very kind of outside of myself that I'm just curious to think about, ask other people to do so that I can kind of step back and watch a little bit or think about conceptually. Mm. So it is very much like making dances for me, but each kind of set of dances, set of instructions have their own personality and their own like component parts that aren't always the same because I'm not, I'm not a singularity. It's like, I'm not just unidimensional, you know, we're, none of us are. Mm-hmm. And I've never, I've always been kind of a generalist. I've never had a real specific thing that I just stayed with for decades. <laughs> That would be so interesting, wouldn't it? Like you take someone like, um, oh, who's a kind of like choreographer with a pretty, you know, singular type of uh, focus and aesthetic. What's the, um, what's the choreographer that does all the spinning (laughs) Um, and minimalism, but like, yeah, it would be interesting if you stuck, you know, if you made benevolent instructions for over the course of what we have, like two, three years, and you just made them all about, or within the, you know, context of X or whatever. Yeah, that would be interesting. Right. Like that's, I often dream about that. I've not dream while I'm sleeping, like dream yeah. as like, I think, 
would that have been a better way to be an, a dance maker instead of just hopping all over the place, making funny dances, making serious dances, making like abstract dances, making short ones, long ones. Like, like what if I would have been born or like somehow developed into that, that artist or that human that just had a single focus and that's where I stayed. And that's what I just dug into and got deep, 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 you know, and, and just never left that path and, or, and only dallied into things that had something to do with that path or that idea. Were you talking about the Kiersmacher? No, there was another one. Oh, it's child. Listen to child. child. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then, you know, they would probably hear us say, well, that's not all I was interested in. <laughs> you know, <laughs> That's all I just know. Of I know it's like, all yeah. we know, right? Yeah. So, but yeah, you, you do get the sense that some artists or thinkers or philosophers, you know, they, they, or even if you look at architects or craftsmen or anything like that, some people just have this real singular interest and it shows up and then other people just apply their their insights into all different forms and materials and stuff like that so I've just been kind of that generalist so it all it all feels that way I'd be curious to think about like if even if we're going at it in a different way on a different path are we kind of ending up in the same place you know how do you feel when you're done with, you know, at the end of either a, a particular community session when we've done scripts from several people or over, you know, several months or years, do you feel like we kind of all get to a similar place? Like, do we all land on the same planet after doing these? Or do you feel like? I don't think so, no. I don't know though but I don't think so I mean when you're at some after you're finished with a particular set of instructions or prompts are there times when you feel like you've had a really like just intense physical experience or more of like a kind of intellectual experience or almost like sometimes I feel like I've gone to some sacred space mm-hmm. and sometimes I don't, sometimes I feel like it's been very secular mm-hmm. you know? and it's, it's, mm-hmm. it kind of vacillates. Yeah. Um, do you have that experience? Yep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think that's one thing too, that it, it it's reminded me of, um, uh you know in some improvisational practices that i've done before where you know the the underlying philosophy or whatever might be like don't get attached to the results Mm. i think this reminds that you know benevolent instruction reminds me of that a lot it's like don't expect that you will be you will you know feel the endorphins like you do after a really good technique class or something i mean not that i've taken a technique class in years but um you know, uh, it's, it's, it's not the same every time. And so I, I can't, yeah. 
I can't be attached to knowing that it's going to be, I'm going to have, you know, the destination is here and that it's going to feel a particular way. But that in, in and of itself is a good practice that I have to just be like, I'm just going to take in what I need and I'm going to trust that that gets me to somewhere else <laughs> and so on and so on and so on and so on right and i think because we've we kind of always keep a sense of humor about this too and the kind of a not sense of humor but we have set this up in a way or it just kind of naturally evolved or maybe it's just the people we are where we are in our lives like it's pretty low stakes risk you know, it's like, like you just said, you just trust that kind of, it will get you to where you like want to go or what, or where you need to be. But also there's this permission to just not go. Yeah. Just stop. Like I'm having a physical experience that I don't want to have because I'm tired or whatever, you know, and you just, you stop and then you resume kind of interacting with the practice whenever you want and however you want. Um, but yeah, in full agreement in flow with the scripts. Yeah. You just are kind of trusting that like your body, your mind, your own self-awareness will just kind of let you engage with these things as you need to. And the end will be that you've done it. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah, I think that's, you know, I was talking about the shift between, you know, like making, having an audience be a really integral part of the process versus not right, you know, not so much now. And thinking about, um, oh, I just, I just lost it. What was I thinking about? Give me a second. Um, I'm sorry. Just remind me what you were just talking about. What I was talking about kind of engaging and being able Enga to okay, yes, yes, okay. So before I would I would I had more of this mindset of like I have to constantly be the 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 whole idea of attention and devotion, it had to be constant and persistent and just fully in it for dance to love me back. <laughs> you know finish <laughs> and now I'm like and now it's kind of like this and then of course I fell, fell, fell out of love with dance I'm like fuck dance <laughs> you know and then now it's like it's this falling back in love with dance again and 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 trying to change the perspective that like dance is always going to be there and it loves me back even when I disengage even when I'm not attentive in the way that we're taught to be like totally 100% present in the moment and attentive to, you know, the, the tiny micro detail of the cells in your body and the expansion of the universe and the dark matter in the world, you know, however I am showing up, it's going to love me back. You're going to love me back. 
Mina and, and Cole are going to love me back for however I'm showing up. And that has been like, a, like powerful to me. And it sounds so kind of simple, but it really, it's, it's been powerful to me because I've had that mindset the whole time of like, I've got to be like, oh, <laughs> in it, visible, um, taking up space, all these things. Okay, you were laughing. <laughs> Why are you laughing? Oh, I just think that because when you're like, you know, I had to be engaging with it to at such a high degree and intense level so that it would hook me back. <laughs> that just cracks me up because it's not a thing. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's, do you know, dance is not a thing. It's, but it is a feeling, you know, it is like, there is a feeling of kind of it belonging to you or being a part of you in a, in a, um, an organic way when you, and when it stops feeling that way, it's like, Oh God, it doesn't love me. Or it does. It's like going away. It's abandoning me. Where is it going? I worked so hard to get it, you know? Yeah. And, right. And it's like, I, um, that is just such a mind fuck. I mean, because it really is just people on the, in the process of either training or making or critiquing or consuming or like, you know, there's the, the doers of the dance or whatever you want, like the dancer person, the mover, and then the people watching, and then the people that are sort of in the middle constructing that um, commerce mm. and being the commodity for so long in that trade make I think makes us feel like there's this thing called dance that will accept us or not but it's not the dance it's not the act of dancing it's the it's the trade it's the the industry of some sort that has set up this thing. But think what, what I'm getting from what you're saying, what's helping me a lot is that take all that out, take the tradesmen out, take the middlemen out, take the, or whatever you want to call it. This metaphor is kind of mixed and weird, but um, yeah, I'm getting it's it. you still engaging with being curious about and kind of celebrating the fact that you love moving, you love moving your body and that is available no matter, you know, where no one has to be watching. We, that is a, that's a kind of construct we have to constantly deal with. I think as people who don't dance publicly anymore, we yeah. still have that feeling of, does anybody have to see this? Does it have work? Does it feel, <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, you have to, I have to constantly remind myself, I do this because I love, I have an affinity, like you said, for moving, for being multilingual or like in my body to find as many different languages and representations and expressions with what I, my body 
It's mm. just That's outside lovely. of being observed. Anyway. And I think benevolent instruction gets at that in a way. It's probably us trying to figure out how to be as intensely curious and and expressive and all the things that come with being an artist or a performer or whatever um, without the need for all the other levers to be pulled mm. to make it art, to make us feel like we are um, making something, doing something that it's, this is, we're writing, we're moving, we're engaging, we're, we're critiquing in this really kind of like benign way. We're feedbacking, we're researching. Yeah. yeah. Um, without the, without the, uh, is this true without being products of, or yeah, yeah, I could, yeah, I could see that. That's the wrong word, but without being, I would, I would even, I would say, and, or not without, but in a different way than we're used to or we've been um accustomed to or what you know right whatever. yeah right yeah i think it's just changing our but we've been taught to be like i think that's a, it's sort of a conditioning it's like we've been taught that this is the process of it's like process product right you have your process you have your dance your product you share it you know so it's sort of like okay beyond that what are the other ways that you can get all of those things that are enriching about, you know, art making, dance making, whatever. But yeah, in a different way. In a different way. Yeah. For a different season of your life or a different phase of your life when you haven't stopped being a like hungry and curious and, and full of vitality, like creative vitality. It's like, where do you put that? Where do you? Like, how do you deliver it to yourself or to others or whatever <laughs> without having access to or ne even needing the other models mm -hmm. of making, creating, and sharing? So that's when you said, is this like kind of like dance making? It's, it is, except it's just in a different season of my life. Mm. When all of the, uh, the factors that go with dance making aren't there anymore. So now it's writing um, kind of more in mm, it's, it's writing and sharing with a small group of people. That's the, these movement experiences or things that I want to explore comp choreographically or improvisationally. Still, I have, I'm not done with that. The season, it's the seasons of our lives and it's the fact that the world was is forever changed too, you know? And I, yeah, 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 
That's exactly right. Wow. Okay, we're out of time. All right, always fun to talk to you. Good to talk to you too. Uh, thanks for taking the time and digging in to kind of the more like the, I don't know, I feel like every time we talk, we, we touch on like some kind of practical issues, but also the esoterics of this whole thing. Um, so anyway, thank you very much. And Enjoy the beach. Yes. I think I'm actually going to go to the pool today. Ooh, yeah. We're going to go to the beach. We're going to go to the beach today. Oh, my God. Okay, get out of there. All right, go have fun. Okay, I'll tell you in a minute. I'll talk to you in a minute.